Hello and welcome to Basic Contract Law for Students. I'm Savannah and I tutor the Dean's 1L Contract class at Thurgood Marshall School of Law. This podcast is meant to help 1L Law students understand contract thought and excel in their contracts course. I'll go over what I learned first in fall semester of my 1L year and then move into spring semester. Fall topics include what constitutes a valid contract, the statute of frauds, parole evidence rule, and warranties. Spring semester includes vitiating elements, anticipatory repudiation, and the rights of non-parties. But before we begin with fall semester, I want to give a few tips for success in law school. First is get the correct edition of the book. The book editions are different. And I know it sucks because law school books are so expensive, but you will be lost if you don't have the correct edition because the cases are different. So it's better just to be up to speed in class. Second, live as close to the school as possible. Now I know that for a lot of you, that's already too late because you found your place, but there are still ways you can optimize your study time even if you live far away. So two suggestions that I have for doing that are first, on your way home or to school, instead of listening to like music or something, you should listen to something like this podcast or another podcast or some sort of video that you can listen to what's going on in class and you can understand what's going on in class better. Something that's going over what you're learning. Second, I would say pack a lunch or dinner or snacks or whatever so that you can stay at the law school longer, especially in the afternoons for traffic. That way you can be sitting in the library and studying and still have something to eat, whatever, without having to go sit in traffic on your way home. So you just wait till traffic's over and then you go home. But during that time, you're studying. My third is to find a study group. Study groups generally do better. I know just about everyone in my study group is on the dean's list. So I think it's very important to be able to bounce ideas off one another because law school is all about application. That's what the professors are teaching you is how to apply a rule. That's what the cases are for. So it's important to be able to bounce ideas off of your study group so that you know how they're applying a rule, how you're applying a rule. Not necessarily who's right and who's wrong, but being able to find the correct way together to apply the rule. Also, don't suffer in silence. My last one. Do not suffer in silence because it is not helping you. It's not helping anybody. The professors and tutors like myself are here to help you. That's what a study group is for as well, is to help you learn the material and understand it and apply it. So if you are struggling, please reach out to a tutor, your study group, professors, so that you can get some help because that's what we're here for. That's our job. Okay, so moving into contracts. What is a contract? Well, a valid contract is an exchange relationship and mutual assent. An important rule to remember is the ability to perform a contract is irrelevant. And I think that goes into an objective standard issue, which we'll get into in just a second. But there are two bodies of law. So there's the common law and UCC. So common law, which I'm sure you'll hear a thousand times at the beginning of this semester, is judge-made law. 
before we had, you know, statutes, whatever, or a code to go by, we just had what the judge said. So that's where precedent comes from, like using cases from, you know, 15 years ago to rely on what we're going to decide today. That's precedent. So judgment law, common law, that's one body of law. Our second body of law is the UCC, the Uniform Commercial Code. So the Uniform Commercial Code is basically a bunch of people that got together and said, hey, common law is different from state to state. Like Texas and Montana have totally different laws. So we should create something, a uniform code that everyone can apply throughout the United States. So they wrote this code and most states have accepted it or a version of it. So it's called the UCC or Uniform Commercial Code. Now a valid contract consists whether it's UCC or common law, a valid contract has an offer, acceptance, and consideration. So this is where a mutual assent comes in. With offer and acceptance, those two parts are going to be our mutual assent. So this is where the objective and subjective come in. So an objective test, and this will be mostly important in contracts and torts, an objective standard saying, what would a reasonable person think? Would a reasonable person think that I had extended an offer or that I accepted an offer? Whereas a subjective standard is saying, did this person accept an offer? Did this person extend an offer? So in contracts, we're going to go by, well, and torts more than not, is you're going to go by the objective person standard, the reasonable person standard. There is an exception. It's if you can prove that the other person knew that you were joking. So say me and my friend Sarah, she has this Harley Davidson and she's like, yeah, I'm going to sell it to you for like 10 bucks. And I'm like, 10 bucks. All right, let's go for it. So I come to her house the next day. I give her $10 and she's like, no, that was not an offer. I didn't want to sell that for 10 bucks. So she would have to prove that I knew it was a joke. Otherwise, if a reasonable person would have thought that she extended an offer, we're going to go by that standard. So now that we know what common law and UCC are, which one do we apply? Well, UCC governs goods. So think about like items, like your shoes, pencils, backpacks. Those kinds of things are going to be goods. Whereas common law is going to govern everything else, which is usually going to be like services. So the predominant purpose test, let's give an example and we'll work through the elements of the predominant purpose test. So for example, say a plaintiff goes to a hospital to have surgery. During the surgery, the doctors give him blood. The bill comes out to be $30,000 for the surgery and $8,000 for the blood. So we have four things that we apply from the predominant purpose test. None of them are determinative, so none of them weigh heavier than the other, but there is one that I think is the easiest way to tell in a test. So I'll tell you when we get there. So the first one is the price of the goods versus the price of the service relatively. 
So, for example, our plaintiff's surgery was $30,000, but his blood was only $8,000. So, relatively, our surgery costs more, so we're leaning towards it's probably a service for the surgery, right? Second is the reason the parties entered into the contract. This is the one that I think is the easiest one to apply in a test to like get the answer on the which way it is. Is it UCC or common law? So the reason the parties entered into the contract, well, did you come to the hospital to buy blood or did you come to the hospital to get treatment for your, and have a surgery to fix whatever is going on? Well, it's probably going to be the latter. So once again, we're leaning towards service. Third is the language of the contract. For example, maybe there's a waiver language in there that says, you hold us harmless, hold the hospital harmless for any problems that go wrong during your surgery. Well, that's gonna be more surgical language, you know, something in there like that. Um, fourth is the nature of the business. Now, a lot of people think that it's actually the nature of the contract, but that would be basically the same thing as the language of the contract, which we already have. So it's the nature of the business. So for example, hospitals are usually going to provide services. Nobody really goes to a hospital to buy goods. You know, it's like weird to just go and buy blood and leave. So the nature of the business of a hospital is to provide services. Another great example would be like mechanics. Going to get your car fixed or are you buying parts? Which one is it? You know, which one do we apply? UCC or common law? So you would go through P, price, R, reason, L, language, and nature. My study group remembers this as Puerto Ricans like nectarines, P-R-L-N. That's one easy way. Um, you can definitely come up with an acronym. That's something that I will go over here in this podcast a lot as well is tips to remember things because acronyms really help my study group. So if you want to use those, you can. If you want to make your own or find another way to remember that, that's perfectly fine. So this first semester is going to be a lot about what a valid contract is. So right, the offer acceptance consideration and then also move into enforceability of a contract. So now that we know we have a contract, is it enforceable? That is going to be basically your whole semester. But something that is very, that's important for you to understand right now at the beginning is damages and specific performance, which is legal versus equitable remedies. Now, this is something that we're going to get into a lot next semester, spring semester, but I think it's very important to understand now to help you really solidify concepts of like promissory estoppel and why certain things are the way they are. So legal remedies are damages, so money. So legal remedies are meant to place the victim in the same financial position he would have been in had the contract been performed as agreed. So that definition is called expectation damages. Courts usually prefer this remedy, they prefer damages, because it's more efficient and less burdensome. It's a lot easier to just say, yep, you need to pay them $5,000.
than say, you need to go to their house and perform the service. So it's a lot easier just to do the money. So to be able to get your damages as a plaintiff, you would need to establish three things. And these will go over in depth next semester. But once again, just for your basic understanding, there's foreseeability, certainty of loss, and avoidability. Next is specific performance. So this is equity. It's a discretionary remedy, which means that usually it's up to the judge to decide if they want to provide it or not. Um, the burden is on the plaintiff to show that damages are not enough. So, for example, saying, like, that's not just any pen. That's Taylor Swift's pen. Like, somebody famous's pen. So I need to have that one. I need to have that specific pen. It's not enough that you just provide me 15 grand, which is the pen's worth, you know? So courts usually don't like this specific performance remedy because of two reasons. First is involuntary servitude. Obviously the other party didn't want to perform. That's why they're in breach and why you're in court. So forcing them now isn't gonna be good because you're, yeah, you're forcing them to. And also the court would have to provide someone to supervise that they are actually doing it. I guess that's a third, that's a second one is court supervision is difficult. Third, I guess actually would be, they're probably going to do a bad job. Like if it's a service, especially. So for example, if I hire a plumber to come put pipes in my house, well, they didn't want to be here anyway. That's why they breached their contract. So then they show up and then they screw up all my pipes and my walls. So they're going to do a terrible job just because out of spite, just because they didn't want to do it. You know, that could be an issue. So then I would have to hire someone else to redo it anyway. So I definitely don't want that. So quick run through everything that we have talked about this episode before we close. We went over what is a contract. Don't forget the rule of the ability to perform a contract is irrelevant. We went over the objective and subjective standard, both bodies of law, which are the common law and the UCC. We talked about the history and how they came about. We also said a valid contract consists of offer, acceptance, and consideration. We went over the predominant purpose test and legal versus equitable remedies or damages and specific performance. It's the same thing. I'm Savannah and thank you for listening to Basic Contract Law for Students.